What's going on, Cougar fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast. Tommy here. We're getting down to the home stretch of the season. Just one more regular season game for the Cougs this year, and pretty soon March is going to be upon us. First, though, we got to recap the final road trip of the season for CFC. And to do that with me, my guest this week, coming back after a long absence on the show, Jeff Asheris. You remember Jeff, former Cougar Club employee, current Cougar Club member, full-time CFC basketball fan. He was kind enough to join us from the West Coast to talk the William & Mary game, the Elon game, and in honor of senior night this Saturday, we did a little retrospective on this year's senior class an important senior class. Earl Grant's first recruiting class is nearing the end of their careers. Certainly a group that has left their fingerprint on the program. So we go down memory lane. We talk our favorite memories from the guys in that group. And then as always, we're going to wrap up the show by going around the CAA. The Cougars clinched their seed in this year's CAA tournament. The rest of the bracket is still up for grabs, but we're going to talk about which teams we would and wouldn't want to see, how we think things are going to shake out. There was a big upset this past week, which we're going to talk about. You're going to hear all that and more. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or by going to holycityhoops.com. Over the next week or so, we're going to be looking ahead to the CAA tournament, so make sure you're checking back in regularly for that. But for right now, Here's me and Jeff Asheris on the Holy City Hoops podcast. Joining me from the West Coast, back for his second go-round on the podcast, Jeff Asheris. What's going on, man? Hey, good to be back, Tommy. I really appreciate you uh, letting me take another shot at this. And um, yeah, I can't believe that we are here one game away from the end of the year, uh, or in the end of conference play, I should say. And it seems like just a couple days ago, we were talking about uh, what the team was going to look like as we went into CAA play. So That's right. That's right. The last we time you were here. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, hard to believe. Hard to believe. Well, let's uh, let's dive right into it. First game of the weekend was at William & Mary the curse of Kaplan Arena. For anybody who doesn't know, Charleston was 0-5 all-time in Williamsburg to face William & Mary. You're hoping the senior class wants to go out the right way, get the, the first win there, but alas, it was not the case, and the uh, the losing streak at William & Mary continued. So what were your, your overall impressions of that game? You know, it was a strange game because I thought we really did – a lot of things well uh, like you mentioned you know we did have double digit leads you know off and on throughout the game I think we, we stretched it as much as 15 maybe a couple more at one point and then that sort of just disintegrated um, you know midway through the second half which unfortunately I'll probably talk about this a little more later on has become a bit of a theme um, mm-hmm. we you know we p- tend to come out of the tunnel pretty sharp in the beginning of second halves um, you know with a good offensive burst right away And then for whatever it is, there's a probably a six minute stretch in a lot of our second halves where our offense just sort of goes away. And and, um, you know, teams that have a hot hand are capitalizing on that big time. So I think that's the glowing uh, area of concern or just one of the takeaways from this game that that cost us down down to the wire. Yeah. So Charleston did have a 15 point lead. I think that was in the first half when when they had their biggest lead. Then they give up a 7-0 run to end the half. I think Grant Riller was on the bench for that. 
and then William and Mary opens the second half on a 6-0 run. So all this, there goes your lead right there. I mean, then it was a, it was like a new game at that point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think um, dissolve is the right word because William and Mary just chipped away, and a lot of that was Nathan Knight, who pretty much was unstoppable on Thursday night in that game. Mm-hmm. What do you think of his performance? Um, I thought it was just just consistent, and and you know it was one of those things where it looked like CFC was was streaky at times, where we were either really bringing the energy and bringing a lot of points in rapid you know rapid manner, or we were totally quiet. Yeah. And I think William and Mary is one of those teams that they are going to play a pace, and they are pretty good shooters usually. And um, you know Nathan Knight, you know right the, right there with them on all of it. And yeah, they just, they keep a very, very consistent pace and they don't miss a lot. So they really take advantage of when other teams, you know, have lapses against them. Yeah. Not the, not the team to, to go into a lapse against the strategy against William and Mary and, and coach Grant has talked about this post game uh, a couple of different times. He's always said, and, and it works most of the time it worked in the CAA semifinals last year when we beat this team, but he said, we're going to guard Nathan Knight one-on-one we're going to make it as hard as we can with one defender on him if he gets his points cool but we're not going to sell out uh, Mm -hmm. on him and and double him and then just let him kick it out to all those shooters they have on the team right uh you know we don't want his gravity to open things up for everybody else a couple problems with that in this game nathan knight destroyed everybody who was guarding him whether it was nick harris Drell brantley Jalen mcmanus sam miller just crushed everybody. If he wasn't scoring, he was getting to the line. He yeah. got to the free throw line 18 times. Charleston as a team only went 12 times. Problem number two is when he did kick it out, even if the shot was contested, they had a shooter on the night, Matt Milan, who could not miss seemingly. He was six for 11 from three. Uh, nobody else on William and Mary had more than one made three. So, he has 27 points, which is more than anybody on Charleston had as well. And that one-two punch was just too much for, for Charleston to uh, to make up with their lacking offense outside of their big two. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. And, and Coach Grant actually touched on this in, in a post-game quote when he said, you know, that William and Mary had 27 attempts at the free throw line to R12. And says he it's has crazy. no answer for that. He said, you know, um, it's plus 15 from the free throw line for them. And yeah. um they're good shooters. They're going to take advantage of things like that. And, and you know, some of that maybe you, you chalk up to a little bit of a, a home court advantage or, you know, some different referees or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but at the end of the line or at the end of the day, excuse me, we committed fouls and put them on the line. You know, if we play a really clean ball game, we just don't give up, um, you know, those, those easy points. And especially I think what should be, shouldn't be overlooked is that when you're down by such a large margin, you know, time becomes essential. And every time they're scoring at the line, they're scoring without absorbing any of the, the game clock. So mm-hmm. not only is it a free throw, but it's a, you know, it's a complete time stop as well. Um, so that's how they're able to make up points without spending too much game clock. And that's why I don't think we just couldn't grind them down to the end and ultimately, you know, force the game into overtime there. Yeah, I want to talk a, a little bit about how it got to the point of going to overtime when Charleston had this lead in the first half. I don't want to put this all on Grant Riller, but he had 15 points in the first half. He was going shot for shot with Nathan Knight. You know, Riller is obviously coming off a co-player of the week honor with Nathan Knight. He shared with Nathan Knight. He's coming off a 43-point uh, performance, a 33-point performance. He seems on pace to have another dominant game against William & Mary. 
But after the first half, he had just four points in the second half, and he had one made three in overtime. So it seemed like when he got shut off, the rest of the team couldn't really rebound on their own. Uh, we'll get to, to Sam Miller in a second, who had a nice game. Jarrell Brantley was really carrying the load. He took 25 field goal attempts. Wow. I said this on the blog, very Russell Westbrook-esque performance mm-hmm. from Jarrell Brantley with that many shots. 26 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, flirted with a, a triple-double. But I think when when Grant Riller got shut off, it seemed like the whole rest of the team started to kind of fall apart. Yeah, I agree. And I think that reflects maybe a little bit of the youth on our bench, you know, like with, with Zepp Jasper. You know, when, when Grant's out, you know, he's certainly asked to carry a bigger load. Um you know, even if they're playing together in any form of combination or lineup at any point, you know, there's a lot more responsibility on Zeb. And I think the team on any play in any scenario immediately looks to Jarrell and Grant for guidance yeah. and energy and direction. And when those guys are out, I think we're left scratching our heads a little bit and playing a little bit confused and scattered. And, and I think that showed um, against it. You know, that's for whatever reason, it is a hard place for us to play. Uh, you know, it's a oh, yeah. big building with probably not a huge attendance on most nights. I mean, I think they do pretty well, but and they've got a, a big band, you know, I think it's a piece of their football team um, or their entire football team band usually plays. So it's it's loud. They've got their home court advantage and we they just have our number when we when we go up there. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, it's, I, people were asking me about this, about what it is about Kaplan Arena. I don't know if it's. The, the closest thing I can say is our defense is based on making shooting teams take tough shots. Mm-hmm. And if you're facing a team that depends a lot on threes, they're going to shoot better at home. And maybe the defense just mm-hmm. isn't enough in that case to, to outweigh that, that home court shooting advantage. Right. Right. Exactly. But kind of getting back to the game there, I think you make a really good point that sort of as Grant Grant went out of the game plan, as did our chances of, of winning that game, unfortunately, and you hate to, for it to be, you know, so singular focused, but uh, yeah, that was just sort of the theme during that game. Yeah. So scoring outside of Jarrell and Grant, no points for Marquise pointer who had a tough night. Uh, I think he had some foul troubles. Two points for Nick Harris. I think you had nine for Galloway. And then the bench didn't do too much outside of, and this is going to a bright spot, Sam Miller had a really nice game. Season high, 14 points off the bench for him. He was five for eight from the field, had a, I think a dunk. He had a three. Really productive night for Sam. And I think, you know, kind of making the case for him to uh, to keep seeing court time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think he's earned, you know, every one of the minutes that he's played so far this year. And I think he really deserves quite a few more. I, I think he sort of lives in that 14 to 18 minute range probably would be a, a fair estimate. Um, but I think his efficiency is really good. Um, like you said, you know, five for eight shooting. Um, he's a presence in, in the paint. And I think he also I think we'll see this maybe, you know, come two or three games from now. Um you know, I think he's got that little, you know, coming from Dayton, you know, he's got a little bit more of a big arena experience, you know, and a little more big game experience, having played some bigger opponents and bigger names. So I think the moment's never too big for him. And I think he's a very efficient ball player. You know, I talked about this with a couple other um, fans uh, over the weekend. And kind of my takeaway was if Nick Harris wasn't a fifth year senior, who's so cemented as a part of that group, um, you know, who's done so much for the program, as a coach, you know, you have to wonder at, at what point do you give Sam Miller a look at a start, um, you know, at this point in the season, probably not just to not rock the boat. 
Yeah. But statistically, I, I think, you know, all other things being held equal, he's probably earned a very fair shot at a starting position. So it, it was interesting. In overtime, Grant did sit Nick Harris to start OT, but it was in favor of Jalen McManus. So mm-hmm. it was Brantley at the five and McManus at the four. And Sam Miller quickly entered the game in yeah. overtime. But I uh, love that so lineup, we, by the way. Yeah, I yeah. think that lineup could be dangerous for us, especially against you know a little bit more of an offensive opponent. Um, you know, you go maybe play someone like Hofstra that's you know sort of built from the inside out. Probably wouldn't work as well, but. Yeah, if there's just more of a high-flying team, I think we should be playing Terrell at the five. Yeah, he's always been been good there when, when we go small. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he can definitely play there. Yeah, no doubt. Last thing I will say on this game, the free throws and the, and the free throw disparity and fouling, not being able to defend without fouling definitely hurt the Cougars. Mm-hmm. 17 turnovers, too. Really just a killer for mm-hmm. a team that only that doesn't have a huge margin of error already on offense tries to squeeze the most other offenses they can mm-hmm. 17 turnovers which i believe tied a their uh, conference season high just too many too many extra opportunities for william and mary to score so even if your your defense is playing great if you put them on the line that much and you're giving the ball away to them that many times it's going to be really really tough yeah uh, absolutely and and a little bit more about you know on the topic on our side at the free throw line um you know i actually listened to the broadcast of this game i was listening to everett's um on the call since i was tied up in a work project um, so i was listening to it you know partially at work and partially on my commute back through downtown your boss doesn't doesn't listen to this podcast does he uh i or don't she? think they do i don't think <laughs> they do but uh but they know i'm a big cougar fan so i'm not too concerned um uh, but anyways you know i heard a lot of Jarrell's name you know sort of down the wire you know maybe he had one bat real bad turnover but then you know right away answered back with a big three to sort of keep us in it I did memory not serving well whether that was right before the end of regulation or during overtime but he kept us sort of in and out of that game a lot at the end but ultimately you know goes to the line um, with an opportunity to tie the game in overtime and misses a yep. free throw um, yep something that's pretty uncharacteristic uh, of such a uh, such a leader on our team and um yeah, I think you just chalk it up as maybe he was, you know, exhausted towards the end of the game. You know, he ends up playing a full 41 minutes. Um, but, you know, that's one when I was kind of listening along, driving down the road, thought, all right, Jarrell's at the line with a, for us, an opportunity for us to tie this. We should be fine. It was a no-doubt moment for me in my head. And then, you know, unfortunately he misses and uh, the game for, sort of gets away from us right after that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that free throw definitely got some attention. I think that was kind of the the crux of the story in the post and courier was Jarrell Brantley kind of dealing with that, mm-hmm. that moment and, and moving on from it. Yeah. I don't, which is, I don't know. Which if, is such a bummer because, you know, yeah. young man nearly had a triple double, you know, you know, buries 26 points to sort of keep us in the whole thing. And, uh, you know, and then unfortunately, you know, misses one when it counts. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that determined the game. It definitely, it would have tied it in overtime. And then I would think after he missed, we had to foul. So it was definitely a, a huge shot that we certainly wish had gone in, but I had a feeling once this game went to overtime that, that William and Mary was going to crawl away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you hate to see it, but uh, I know that the day will come where we where we get a win up there. One and, day, uh, one day. You know, hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to the Elon game because Charleston did salvage the week by winning up at Elon. I don't know what it is about Elon, but for some reason, they seem to be just the palate cleanser for Charleston. If if Charleston's in a funk, I think the last time they played Elon was coming off that 0-2 road trip up to Boston and New York. Mm-hmm. 
something about playing Elon just gets everybody back in their groove and it looked like there was no hangover from the William and Mary game and, and Charleston kind of cruises to a victory in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know we, we actually texted a little bit during this game that we had quite a lengthy lead. I think it was up to 20 at one point, um, uh, in the second yeah. half and so we can, we can get into that a bit later, but, but all in all, um, uh, like you said, a, a very, very good place for us to, uh, to go and win. Um, they have a nice brand new arena. You know, it looks like they drew about 3,600 people. I know it was their senior night, so uh, nothing gets yeah. Elon, but always nice to go spoil the party. Uh, and yeah, just, <laughs> don't, just don't jinx our senior night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, always nice to go in, go into a, a new building on the road and, and come out with a, a very solid, you know, fundamental win highlight for me out of this game was, was the play of Zap and Jalen both uh yeah. give us nine points and and some pretty pretty key points as well so um great night for for cfc basketball there great night for the bench the bench had been missing for a couple games when that last homestand the the four game home streak uh a couple weeks ago the bench was averaging like 25 30 points a game and then the northeastern and Hofstra games they kind of disappeared they weren't really showing up besides sam miller in that william and mary game but in this game Earl Grant subs him in early. I think the first time out, he put in four subs. He kept Riller in and subbed in Rashard, McManus, Jasper, Miller. Oh, wow. And maybe that got the guys going because they certainly responded. As, as you just said, mm-hmm. McManus goes four for four, has a dunk, has a three. Jasper, three for four from three. Nine huge points for him. Another good night for Miller, who kind of carries it over. And Rashard gets back in on the uh, on the dunk party. Had a nice fast break dunk, but yeah, yeah bench. <laughs> great great showing by the bench. Yeah, I'm showing like 30 bench points here, which is phenomenal. You know, if we can get you know production between you know 23 and 30 uh, night in and night out from the bench, we're going to be a really really hard to beat basketball team. Um, it should not be understated the dunk that Jalen Rashard threw down. I know Grant's gotten a little love here lately on Sports Center, and for good reason, but. Um, <laughs> Jalen came in with a vengeance and absolutely laid it down. So, um, you know, I, I have not had the chance to really watch him play in person all that much. I think very limited, if at all. And everyone tells me how athletic he is. And then you see something like that and you know that it's it's not an exaggeration. He is a very athletic basketball player. Oh, he's, he's got bounce. He's yeah. got bounce. Yeah. And, and, and right after, he also, if you notice, he goes full sprint back the other way positions himself inside his guy down in the paint um you know beats most people back up the floor unfortunately ends up you know committing a foul that i thought was kind of a questionable call but the effort and the energy is there you know he's, i know he's young so he's just full of energy but that was that was pretty cool to see him hammer home a big dunk and then immediately you know go scrap on on defense elon's play-by-play guy he i didn't know this he mentioned that cfc is top 10 in the country and either dunks per game or <laughs> season dunks we that's are. awesome yeah he started <laughs> talking about that for a while and i was a little confused i thought maybe he was gonna say we were 10th in the caa or something um which i was surprised to hear but then he started talking about he threw like a zion williamson reference in there and i was like what what are we talking about and sure enough uh mentions that we're top 10 in the nation in dunks so i'll take it for sure Jalen Rashard has 80 percent of those yeah exactly <laughs> um and by the way phenomenal announcing job by the uh the elon guy he's sounds like he's straight off of a ranch in texas or maybe uh western north carolina uh, but he had some great slogans throughout the game so enjoyed watching and listening to that one he definitely had a unique style that, that's the good thing about uh the caa is you can listen to a radio broadcast and you can hear 
a Boston accent, a North Carolina accent, a Philly accent. <laughs> exactly. It's great. It's yeah, great. You never know what you're going to get. I think it's worth noting in this game, Steven Santa Anna from Elon, who is their second leading scorer, averages about 15 a game. He left this game early with an injury, so he has zero points, didn't return to the game. Elon's kind of top-heavy as is. They kind of have a, a dynamic duo of their own with him and Sebring. Mm-hmm. And certainly, Steven Santa Anna not being there gave Charleston an, an advantage. And like you said, they stretched that lead out to 20. Elon did cut it down to seven late in the game, but Charleston does enough to, to hang on. And I think the talent gap mm-hmm. certainly helped. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Santa Ana is, really is a good player. He's had a, had a good run with that program. I think they may have said, I can't remember if it was injury or illness um, on the broadcast, but something took him out of that game early on. I think he only played seven or eight minutes. So hopefully mm-hmm. whatever it is he's dealing with is, uh, is not a big deal. And he's back to healthy soon. Cause then he's a good player and, you know, probably a good young man. Um, Interestingly enough, if you actually look, and, and David Crowley is going to kick me for this, but looking at some stats, <laughs> um, you know, when I was working at College of Charleston, I'd chat with the other employees, and we kind of figured out, we thought the formula to winning consistently in the CAA was four to five guys in double figures on a nightly basis. And if you okay. could average that, you usually put yourself in a position to win. And if you look at Elon, they had a guy score 24, 13, 11, 11, and 10. So they yeah. actually had, even without Santa Ana, they had a, probably a more balanced scoring attack than we did, where we had a 24, 18, 7, 9, and 9. Um, you know, Jarrell putting in 24 helps tremendously. But they did have that, that fifth player, you know, really putting it up there. So um, from a stats perspective, you know, we did outplay them, I think, in pretty much all aspects of the game. But I know we got nervous at one point. I texted you. I think it was... I said up twenty nine to play. This is where <laughs> right. CFC leads go. To this die. is this is this is when the lull hits. Is, and yeah. I just feared that that offensive lapse again. And um, you know, we weathered the storm uh, clearly and, and ended up having a good win. And they probably scored a few, you know, down the end in garbage time. But um, yeah, I, I think that, that's one of one of my fears about this team is is can we win basketball games? You know, between the the twelve and four minute mark in the second half. Things were going good to start off the second half. I think Charleston went on an eleven nothing run. Brantley had like eight points in that stretch. Yeah, I think you put it out on your on your Twitter account. Something like Brantley had eight points in the first minutes or two minutes of the second half, actually. Yeah, he hit like two threes and had like a putback. Yeah. It was uh, r- pretty ridiculous. Right, exactly. So we're, we, we've got the capability and we come out hot. It's just uh, maintaining that energy, I guess, or having our bench, you know, play that big second half part is going to be huge in our success, uh, you know, in the tournament run. So the lull did happen. The, the Phoenix cut it to seven with 542 to play. And you're kind of starting to sweat. You're hoping 20 is a big enough lead to not let evaporate. Mm-hmm. Then Zep Jasper hit a huge three to put us back up 10 mm-hmm. with five minutes to go. And, you know, teams kind of trade baskets down the line. But, right. yeah, we uh, Cougars did survive. They shot lights out in this game. I mean, 84 points. They hit 57% from the field, uh, 45% from three, which are very uncougar like numbers yep. but uh you know we'll take it yeah yeah absolutely no just all around all around a great performance and and glad to see that you know a tough night at william and mary didn't affect the second half of the trip and we didn't appear you know down on our spirits in any ways i think we've got bigger goals you know just a couple of weeks ahead of us and uh, you know it was nice to see us kind of lock in and take care of business here at elon 22nd win of the season which is wow. for for any talk of of underachieving 
22 wins is 22 wins. Not many teams in the country get there. So happy to pick that up at Elon. Anything else on this game before we move on? No, I, th- I think that's it. Just very encouraged by, um, by the bench play. And uh, I think it shows a lot of positives, um, you know, to be, to be replayed again down the road. For sure. So one last regular season game, the Cougars will be at home next Saturday hosting UNCW. So a little bit of a, of a rivalry game there. It is senior night. And it is a special senior night because it is Earl Grant's first real recruiting class, his first signing class uh, when he took over is now graduating. That would be Marquise Pointer, Jarrell Brantley. Grant Riller is technically in that class. Obviously, he redshirted his first his freshman year with with an injury. Mm-hmm. Nick Harris redshirted as well. So he wasn't a, an Earl Grant signee, but he's also moving on. So I figured we could talk about our best memories uh, of each of these players. So why don't we start with you? I will turn it over to you, Jeff Asheris, to talk about what stands out in the careers of, of these guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with with Nick Harris. Um, I, you know, I think he's right now the longest tenured um, guy on our roster. And I just think back, you know, thinking of him coming to campus in 2014 and being a part of this team and where our program was at that point, um, you know, with the old coaching staff and everything. And he he really came to Charleston basketball, probably at, he probably saw some of the, the darkest days, if you will, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, of right. low attendance, um, you know, a game that at one point was 16 to 17 at halftime. I think he's been through a lot with our program and he's given a tremendous amount to our program that doesn't always show on a stat sheet and he might not have the highlight tape that some of the other guys have, but his experience and, and probably what he's able to do in the, in the locker room and, you know, sort of be a mentor to the younger guys in the program is probably something we don't see a lot of. So I think not so much a specific memory for him, but just more of a thank you for sticking with the program uh, when a lot of guys could easily, you know, step off the bus for sure. And the guy has, you know, seen the bottom of it and also, you know, fortunate enough to be part of the top of it, you know, with the end of last season. So yeah, just a, just a guy that won't have a lot of record name in the record books at CFC, but experienced probably more than most in program history. How about you? What are your thoughts on Nick there? My Nick Harris memory is also from, from early in his career. I don't I don't think many people knew what to expect from Nick when he was redshirting. Obviously, he was like a big bodied kid. And mm-hmm. um, I think he was pretty buried on the bench. And it was the LSU game, which everybody remembers. But mm-hmm. Nick comes off the bench. I think it was because Jarrell or like Terrence O'Donohue or somebody else was in foul trouble. I think it's like the first real glimpse we get of Nick Harris. His first points, he gets a put back dunk. And I think the next day he's in the newspaper. He's blocking Ben Simmons, who went on to be the number one pick in the draft. First, right. so first impressions of Nick Harris, you're like, "This, who is this kid? Like, where, where did he come yeah. from? This is awesome." Are, he's we like, are we back? Are we back in the paint for the first time yeah. since Jeremy Simmons? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So I mean, that that to me, I think is just the the memory that sticks out to Nick. But for I agree sure. completely. He's gonna go down on the list of most games played. I think he's on the the blocks list and the, and the rebounds list, obviously most wins will, will probably he'll be somewhere on that list for, for a career. So yeah. good memories of, of Nick Harris starting with that LSU game for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he actually snagged, like he, he followed Terrence in that game, like rebounding wise. I think he picked like picked up like eight rebounds in, in, an, in an LSU game, you know, against a really yeah. talented LSU team. So um, not to be understated at all. Um, so Marquise Pointer, um, you know, again, another guy that's been through a lot with the program. He's battled some injuries on and off, you know, to 
kind of a few different injuries all you know all different parts of him and everything so he's had a a hard weathered road but has been a pretty you know strong force in our program and i think the the performance for him that i'll remember forever is is taking us back to the promised land you know him and him and joe chile leading us uh through the game against northeastern last spring just yep. phenomenal i have the same <laughs> that that's mine as well yeah, yeah. that ca championship game when he hits those two threes in overtime mm-hmm certainly something that cougar fans are going to remember for a long time right yeah you know i'm a i'm a big i'm a big hockey fan and if you recall the uh the history will be made um stanley cup commercials if you were to make one of those (laughs) for cfc basketball it's going to be two quick shots of marquise hitting three-pointers and joe chile hugging coach grant as time expires and it'll say history history will be made um and yeah so just a huge contribution to our program i remember marquise pointer being the star of that class as well of of Earl Grant's first recruiting class because I think he signed with Riller and Marquise was the three-star prospect and Riller was the two-star and Marquise had been offered to like Wichita State and Clemson Mm -hmm. and you're like oh man we're getting this this point guard Marquise Pointer he maybe doesn't have the career of Jarrell and Grant but in terms of career wins in terms of coming up big and big moments he is at the top of the list and and somebody who's going to be remembered at, at the school for, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's got a lot left in the tank too. Um, you know, he's been a little yeah. quiet these last maybe four or five games. But again, I think that kind of big game experience is gonna is gonna show. And when the lights are the brightest, I think Marquise is a guy we can trust with the ball in his hand. Um, so excited to see him, you know, back on that stage and and get another shot at, at making a run through the CAA championship. Definitely. Want to go Jarrell Brantley next? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a all-out emotional player. Um, you yeah. know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, maybe maybe too much. Uh, you know, loves to to give the the refs a little bit of salt during the game, but <laughs> he's not afraid to to let people know how he feels about a certain call. But just an emotional player. He came in. I actually saw it was going around Twitter the other day a picture of him. I think as a two-star recruit. And he's almost unrecognizable except for that huge grin on his face. Um, He is skinny and scrawny and looks totally different. I mean, he's probably put on, I don't know how many pounds while he's been at CFC, but he's bulked Yeah, he's he's huge. Um, Off the court, he's just a phenomenal young man. Uh, Always laughing, joking. You know, you watch any of the uh, Andrew Miller interviews with coach grant at practice and, and there's Jarrell in the background, you know, joking <laughs> right, around right. photo bombing interviews and stuff. Um, but when he puts it in gear, you know, he's a, he's a total fun laughing guy off the court, but when he puts it in gear, it's not someone I would want to, uh, you know, have to take a charge in front of He uh, he plays with a, with a real force. So, uh, certainly going to miss him. And I think, you know, him at the top of the list has really given the energy back to CFC fans that, probably had in in the crest days you know i wasn't around for those but everyone talks so well of them and i think he's really brought back an identity to cfc basketball that was missing for a long time yeah i mean jarell brantley what can you say he's he's an all-time great already uh top five in in scoring he just surpassed joe chile with a few games to go in his career wow. top five in rebounding so he's uh he's gonna probably be in the in the sports hall of fame i would imagine oh absolutely um, yeah. goes from being the rookie of the year to conference champion to being on all these all-time lists. Yeah, I think I think his his attitude and his demeanor definitely stand out in terms of individual games. I mean, as of late he had a game winner against Coastal Carolina earlier this year. He hits that 3. 
He had a game winner against Hofstra last season. He's had 29, 30-point games. He's had clutch shots. He's had massive dunks. So the li- the list of, of accolades for Jarrell is huge, mm-hmm. and he is uh, certainly one of my favorite players in, in Charleston history. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's someone when you look back and you think of of watching him play basketball, all you're going to picture yeah. is a massive two-handed slam in the paint, you know, and then turning and, and putting his arms out to to all of TD Arena and beating on his chest and getting the place fired up, which, I mean, what, what more can you ask for as a basketball fan? It's just a, a ton of fun. And I think, honestly, right now, of the guys we have in our program, if anyone has a really fair shot at playing, you know, at an NBA level, yeah. if a team can pick him up and kind of, teach him how to play the three uh, as a sort of a big three guy, he could have a pretty interesting career in the NBA. Um, I agree. Don't know if if it's possible, but I think of the guys we have, he's just got the physical ability to play with some of the, some of the bigger guys in the country. Totally agree. Well, there's one more quote unquote senior because he is in his fourth year. We are hoping he comes back for another season. Grant Riller, is in this class. I don't know if he's going to... So last year, Nick Harris celebrated his senior night with Joe and Cam and the guy, the guys he came in with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Riller's going to do the same with Pointer and, and Jarrell. Let's just hope he comes back and uh, you know that, that conversation will be for the offseason. But right. if, you, if you had to honor Grant Riller, if he is you know, accepting his jersey and a plaque and all that stuff, what do you, what do you say there? Uh, just an electric player. Um, one, I, I'm, I'm happy for him graduating, you know, getting his degree from the college. Um, so congratulations to him for that. I hope he elects to come back for a, for a fifth year and play with us. Um, uh, but that's just a very, very selfish request. Um, an electric player, probably the quickest guy off the dribble that I've ever seen play. I mean, yeah. you know, someone yeah. who can be standing still and be six feet behind you in the blink of an eye um, yeah. or, or just keep standing in front of you and pull up a dead aim three pointer, um, you know, versatile, you know, a thin, thin kind of wiry guy, but who really scraps and he's not afraid to, to get in the paint, you know, and, and but, you know, bump elbows with everyone. So uh, an electric player, just a pleasure to watch play. Um, certainly going to miss him if he's gone, understand if he explores a transfer. I really hope he doesn't. Cause I think a guy like Grant Riller shines in our lineup, but could go somewhere else and uh, and may get buried in the bench and become too small of a role player where he has a lot of star power at CFC and it's going to be on display, you know? So it just depends on what experience he wants. But um, again, selfishly, I, I hope he hangs around and I think it's for the benefit of him and our program. As do I, as do I, I hope he, he sticks around and he's got a real shot at becoming the all-time leading scorer in school history if he stays. He's above pace for it so he could do it if we're going to look back on on his three seasons of play four seasons at the school in terms of highlights again don't have to go back very far he hit the 43 points against Hofstra which is a single game record he had the two sports center dunks in the past two weeks which are awesome he's hit again big shots game winners game tying shots like the one at William and Mary last year so I would agree with you electric score super athletic just brought a dimension of play that you don't often see at the mid-major level in terms of athleticism and and quickness and all that so Mm -hmm. that's that's four seniors who um 
have certainly left their their fingerprints all over the program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think if Grant stays, he might have a fifty point night hiding somewhere in there. You know, if you take oh, yeah. Jarrell out of the equation, um, I think uh, I think he's got a fifty point night. You know, uh, on an, uh, an unsuspecting out of conference opponent or a uh, a lower CAA team on one night, I could see him not not out of the question at all for him to just go off and you know make a couple extra threes and, and hit that 50 mark which would be pretty exciting for us let's let's just go ahead and circle the two elon games next season and we'll be looking for for that 50 point game yeah exactly <laughs> place the prop bets now right <laughs> yeah yeah all right you want to go uh around the caa real quick before we wrap up here sure absolutely all right so the big takeaway from the cougars winning a game this weekend is that they do clinch the three seed in the conference tournament it is not possible for the Cougars to get the two or the four. I believe all the other seedings are still up for grabs. Northeastern, if they win out and Hofstra loses out, they could still get the one seed and Hofstra falls to two. But Charleston will play the six seed in uh, the CAA tournament in the first round. They do get a bye, uh, but they will play the six seed, which right now is Drexel, which is obviously an interesting game, a team that kind of has the Cougars numbers mm-hmm. uh, right now. But a team that also just lost Troy Harper, their leading scorer for the rest of the season. So, Oh, no, I did not hear that. Yeah, yeah, Troy Harper will be out. That definitely hurts the Dragons, but they have come back from huge deficits in the two games this year and obviously split the season or series with Charleston. So Charleston Mm -hmm. is the three seed. Any thoughts on on standings or, or anything that happened in the CAA this week? Um, I mean, the, the big upset was with Hofstra, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. They, um, they end up losing. JMU takes down Hofstra 104 to 99. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, that was in Hempstead as well, um, yeah. which is a funky. Yeah, it's just Hofstra has been a really good basketball team. Yep. So I think if there's anything to be taken away from this conference is who knows what's going to happen um, in, in three or four days of basketball. Yeah, you could have a conference favorite all year long, go down in the first round, and I don't think any C- real CAA fan would tell you they were surprised by that. I kind of like where Charleston is. I think a draw against yeah. Drexel suits us pretty well. I think we can we can play well against them. I certainly wouldn't want to play JMU. I think they're going to be feeling really good and they're going to have something to prove. So if anything finished as it was, I'd be perfectly content. I guess that's how I would sum up my feeling. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, JMU beating Hofstra on Justin Wright Foreman's yeah. senior night is was pretty wild. And I had heard some some chirping about the refs being a little inconsistent <laughs> in that game. It happens to every team, but not not something I would have anticipated happening. So, yeah, that was, was certainly eye-opening. It'll be interesting to see if Northeastern has enough in the tank to capture the the regular season championship and the number one seed but i do think hofstra is gonna gonna finish with that and uh northeastern mm-hmm. will be two mm-hmm. absolutely and, and yeah that was really interesting you know um i i mean let me ask you this who would you rather play in a caa final hofstra or, or northeastern i think hofstra you know northeastern northeastern is going to be tough i i feel like northeastern's in a in a good spot right now they're I know they've been dealing with injuries, but they just keep winning. Mm-hmm. And I just fear that Northeastern, with a shot at redemption, with a shot at you know getting like their revenge on Charleston, is, is yeah. that's going to be tough to overcome. 
Right, right. That's one where you kind of throw all all logic out the window, and that's just that game's one on you know shooting and emotion at that point. I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you there. But Hofstra makes me nervous. I think they're they're probably they're clearly the best team in the conference maybe right now. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. Charleston on a day can go out and beat anyone. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the conference with the exception of maybe the bottom three, I'd say anyone from James and Madison up can can pull an upset or falter, you know, at any point. How would you like to be the one seed, whether it's Hofstra or Northeastern, knowing that you're going to have to play teams that can probably beat you in the first two rounds? Oh, uh, I, yeah, I would. You, you'd be sweating. I wouldn't at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I like, I like how we're kind of not, you know, the star of the show right now. Um, two seed would be great for sure. But, yeah, sitting back in the three and sort of letting everyone else have the drama is is perfectly okay with me. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I want to get you out of here. Is there anything you want to leave the people with before we wrap up? Um, not too much. I'm going to I'm gonna knock on a lot of wood when I say this, but Coach Grant has done a phenomenal job um, for our basketball program. And I think everyone's you know aware that someday the call might come for him to get a really big job. I hope it's not after this year, but if, it, if indeed it is, I just want to thank him for everything he's done. He's you know, this group of seniors and Earl Grant coming in and coming through this program in the last few years has made a complete 180 from where we were and really brought us back to a, um, you know, a reputable basketball program. So if this is the last time I'm on a podcast talking about CFC hoops with uh, coach Earl Grant at the helm, um, thank you. Um, Really hope it's not. I don't think it will be. Um, but I have a feeling this team is, is not done yet and has, has a lot left to prove um, here in the next, you know, three weeks. Is there something you know that you're not telling us, Jeff Asher? No, I know, I know, <laughs> I know nothing. Uh, I just know that you don't win, you know, twenty five, you know, twenty two to twenty five plus games, and and take your guys, uh, you know, to NCAA tournaments without the phone ringing. You know, just uh, it's just part of the business. So um, if it is, and when that time comes, good for him. He deserves every bit of it. You know, phenomenal coach and phenomenal family. I think he'll stay around for a long time. I really do. I think his ties to Charleston are very strong. And uh, yeah, I'd be excited to have him here for the length of his career. Well, he's still he's still got a couple more games to coach, starting with senior night. Yep. And then obviously the CA tournament, which I think we're going to have to do a big podcast preview for. I don't know what that's going to be just yet, but we'll have to do something to preview the tournament once once the bracket is set. Yeah, we need to get like a big round table going with maybe like a lot of the guests that you've had you know get like get a little pool going or something and figure out i like it that'd be a lot of fun i like it i like it well jeff thanks again for coming on man good to have you back and uh enjoy the the rest of your week uh out in cali absolutely thanks so much for having me 